Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, my name is James and this is the 92 Podcast. Each episode will shine the spotlight on one of the 92 teams that make up the top four leagues in English League football, talking to their fans, playing silly games and quizzes and learning what it's like to be a supporter of their team. In this episode, we take our first visit to the Premier League and the West Midlands to see what we can learn about Aston Villa and what it's like to support them. I think Villa this year are in for a really good season. You know, we we started off um, in a a really kind of strong position. We were a poison chalice. You know, we could have signed the world's best players and we could have turned them into something horrible. I think if we keep on playing, keep on pushing forward like we have in the past uh, three games, then we've got no run at all this season. Oh God, like, you know, we're going to be the butt end of every joke now because of what we've done in the past. Each episode so far, I've claimed not to know too much about the clubs that we've featured, and Aston Villa is no different to that. Sure, I've seen them on Match of the Day and I know a lot of their players, but I don't know what it's like to be a Villa fan week in, week out. Luckily, one person who does is Villa fan James, who joins me on this episode. Hello, how are you doing? Welcome to 92 Podcast. Hey James, uh, thanks for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to talking about all things Aston Villa, so raring to go. Have you been a Villa fan all your life? Yeah, I basically didn't have a choice. As soon as I was born, I was wrapped around in Villa colours. And I've never looked back, to be honest with you. So your whole family supports Villa then? Yeah, preferably my dad. Like, I didn't have any other choice, basically. Like, and <laughs> rightly so as well. Couldn't have it any other way. So Villa survived relegation on the last day of the season last season. Are you expecting a better finish this season? Or will it be more of the same, do you reckon? I'm expecting a better finish this season. We've started off quite well. We played all of our pre-season games. We've gone undefeated. And they had the likes of Arsenal, Man U and stuff like that in there. And we beat them. And I'm hoping with the signings that we've had come in that we're going to, you know, get a comfortable finish so we don't have to worry about relegation. So anything above 13th, in between 13th to 7th, that would be a great finish for us. But I'm not expecting us to be in a dogfight this season, no. How does it actually feel like to be in that relegation dogfight? It's horrible. I'm not going to lie, it's horrible. After we've been relegated once before, it's it's not a nice feeling because you're constantly looking over your shoulders. You're constantly hoping that another team above you will drop points and you hope to pick up points. And it's, it is daunting, you know, because you have to get so many things in perspective for you for it to work. And thankfully it did. But at the same time, it's not something that you really want to wish for. So what does it actually feel like to be a Premier League team? Obviously, you've, you've dropped down to the Championship before, like you mentioned. Is there something special about the Premier League or is it just like any other league? It's special because it's where the money is, obviously, which is a big first factor. You know, it tracks the biggest names in football. You know, the biggest teams do come from England, you know, stuff like that. And it is the elite of the elite. That's why it is called the best league in the world. And you want to be a part of that. And I feel like with Villa's history and what we've done in the past, we can... We deserve to be there. I know every team feels like they deserve to be there, but us more so because of what we've done. And it is special to be in the Premier League. You know, everyone wants to be there, and that's what every club will strive to be, is in the Premier League. So obviously Villa play their games at Villa Park, and it's a great place to watch football, but what is it like on a match day to be with the home fans and cheering your team on? <laughs> it's brilliant. I absolutely love it, because when I drive into work, I always go past Villa Park. I always say a little bit about Villa when I drive past it, but the place is always bouncing. I've been to thousands of games there. I've sat in every stand possible, and it's just amazing. Like the atmosphere is brilliant, the camaraderie is brilliant. You just have that feel of like you're in together as one, 
and I just love it. I, it's it's infectious. Like I can't not be there. Like not being able to go there right now is killing me. But at the same time, like it's it's I love it. I absolutely love it. Match day is brilliant, you know, and you always guaranteed a good day. Hopefully the result goes your way. But um, the fans are brilliant. Team's brilliant. Yeah, love it. Absolutely love the ground. Yeah. So how does the atmosphere change when you're winning a game in contrast to losing a game? Is it too different? Yeah, I suppose it is actually because obviously no one wants to see their team lose. And the more you see your team that aren't underperforming, you want to G them up. But then there's sometimes where the fans will get on their back. And I'm not saying it just happens at Villa, but it, it probably does happen at a lot more clubs. But it is one of them where you just want to hope that it is better. They will get on your back, you know, but hopefully for the for the good. But when we are winning, oh my God, the place is fantastic. I'll never forget when we played Everton last season. It was our first win of first win of the league, and the place was completely and utterly bouncing. It was such a good atmosphere. It's the best atmosphere I've ever seen there, and everyone was chanting, everyone was living life. The football was fantastic. You know, we played really well, and yeah, when when we're winning, the fans let you know you're winning, and it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. We've mentioned what it's like to be in a relegation dogfight and obviously when results aren't going your way it can be very, very difficult on the players but also the fans. What kind of a role do the fans play in spurring the lads on on the pitch to get better results? Well, that's a very good point actually. Like, they will obviously encourage, you know, to try and do the best thing on the pitch from where you're sitting. Obviously they've got their own tactics to keep hold and stuff like that but it's obviously down to an individual performance and hopefully play it where the fans will recognise that that player will need to do X of a job and hopefully they execute it and execute it well to lead up to a goal or something like that or to get a full-time result. Yeah. Uh, the fans do play a big part, I'm not going to lie. And it is, it's a good thing sometimes but yeah the fans do mean a lot to the players and I think the players respect that as well so there's quite a few teams in the West Midlands other than Villa as you know there's obviously West Brom Birmingham Wolves Walsall what are those local rivalries like Mm. (laughs) it's funny actually because everyone seems to hate Villa everyone 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 (laughs) seems to hate Villa West Brom hate us Wolves hate us Walsall even hate us but it's funny because as a Villa fan all my life I've never Obviously, they are our rivals, but they're not our rivals, if that makes any sense. Like, Birmingham City is always our biggest game. It's it's the reason why it's still a 12 o'clock kickoff compared to most derbies. Like, the Manchester derby kicks off at 7. Liverpool, against 7, you know. It's us and the Old Firm derby that kick off at 12. And having some noisy neighbours, it's good. Because, you know, you don't want to lose. You want to be the bragging right of that city. But at the same time, it's horrible as well because... You don't want to lose. And having Wolves flying up there now, it is good because it does provide a real good competition to see who is actually the best team in the Midlands. West Brom, again, noisy neighbours. You know, they're back in the Prem. Not had a great start as of yet, but, you know, it's probably our closer game. Them or Wolves, I'm not actually too sure, but it's, it's good. It's interesting. It's always interesting because you want your team to do well and you kind of don't want them to do well, but at the same time, you want to play them all the time. So it's, it's six of one half a dozen of the other. Like, I love it when we play him. As soon as that ball is kicked, I'm dreading it for 90 minutes. So, yeah, it's horrible. It must be interesting on match days or even on non-match days, really, to see the mix of football shirts around the city. Yeah, it is. Because, like you said, the Midlands does have a lot of football teams. And you go into the city centre and obviously you'll see a smackering of Villa shirts and then a smatter of blue shirts or wool shirts, West Brom shirts, you know, the, and off the pitch, obviously you're going to get some violence, but yeah. 
apart from that, like the camaraderie is pretty good. You know, you will have like a couple of beers and then they'll, you know, have a bit of banter with you, you know, have a good laugh with you and stuff like that. So it is good, but it's, it's one of them, like you got to kind of like, you got to take it as well as give it back. And because there's so many teams in the Midlands, everyone was trying to take a pop at someone else, but Villa's always the main focal point of just being, oh God, like, you know, we're going to be the butt end of every joke now because of what we've done in the past. And yeah, it's, it's, it's good, as good as fun it is, it's not very nice at the same time. So it's not too bad. Are there any players from those rival teams that you'd like to see play at Villa, if you could? Ooh, <laughs> that's a good question, actually, that. Uh, well, not from Birmingham City, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Wolves have some really good players. Ruben Neves is fantastic. Jimenez, again, great player. Conor Cody, England international now. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing a few of their players. Adama Traore, obviously an ex-Villa player. Yeah. Uh, again, he would be fantastic. He's so lethal down that wing. It's unreal. He can't be contained. And it's a shame that we actually let him go. But yeah, a few players from Wolves, definitely. Uh, West Brom, not really. Many that I can rather really think of. And... No, no, just a couple from a couple from Wolves would be a nice addition. So, who are some Villa players, past and present, who you've particularly enjoyed watching? Oh, God, this list could go on forever. <laughs> um, John Carew is always up there for me. He's my all-time favourite Villa player we've ever had. He's the size of the bloke just hassle defenders, you know, score goals. He could even defend. The guy was so versatile on the pitch. He was fantastic to watch. Christian Benteke, obviously. Played 101 games and scored 49 goals. And some of the goals he scored were absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Ashley Young, again, another creative player that we've had in the past. Gareth Barry, just consistent, solid. You know, a most capped Premier League player ever now. You know, Gabby Bonlehor with his pace. Stalin Petrov. Yeah, Olaf <laughs> Malbo, Martin Lawson. Wilfred Baumer, honestly, I could go on and on and on. And the players that we've had in the past, uh, as well as, you know, looking at the current team now with Jack Grealish, John McGinn, Ollie Watkins and stuff like that, you know, they are shaping up to be real good players. You know, the, these players that we've got now can look at the players we've had in the past and thrive to be to that exceptional level. And fingers crossed they will, because at that point in time when we had that that squad, we were fighting for Europe, we were fighting for the top six, we were getting to Wembley consistently every season. And that's ideally the point in which we need to look at now going into the future of the club. So you mentioned a few of the big names from Villa's past there. Would any of those still get into a Villa side today? I'm sure they would, but... Oh, I'd like to think so, yeah, definitely. Um, Christ, uh, Olaf Malberg and Martin Lawson, two solid, solid, solid centre-backs as well. They did score goals as well. They were... Pairing of them two was just fantastic to watch. You, you just felt safe that you're going to leave the game. If they didn't keep a clean sheet, they'll have let one in, and that would have been it. Uh, looking at you know your midfielders, I mean Gareth Barry was just such a workhorse. He just never got injured. He played the ball fantastically. He moved it so well. He's creative on and off the ball. His movement was brilliant, and you know he's, he kind of does remind me of a Jack Grealish in somewhat. Yeah. Again, he'll get into that team in a heartbeat. Christian Benteke. When he was at Villa, the goal the goal scoring record that he had with us was brilliant. You know, the prime Gabby Bonlehor with his pace and when he could bang him in, he was fantastic. You know, there is a few players that I would like to think would easily walk into that team, but the game evolves, the game moves on, and you gotta look into <laughs> into it how it would be now. And I'd like to think that they would, but it's one of them. Time will never tell us, unfortunately. 
Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? So what about the yeah, managers yeah. then? We'll come on to Dean Smith in, in a little while, but yes. are there any managers you wish had stayed on a bit longer or perhaps some that you wish had gone a little bit sooner? <laughs> um, I think it really came to effect when Martin O'Neill was our manager. Yeah, I love watching them days of football because we were just so good. Again, it was when we were getting into the top six, you know, fighting for Europe every season. There was one year season where we just narrowly missed out on Champions League. And watching that football was the best Villa football team I've ever seen. And when Martin O'Neill was at the helm, it was brilliant. I remember I was speaking to my dad and he was saying that he wanted Martin O'Neill to be an England manager, let alone he was a Villa manager. And it was fantastic to watch. And then after those days, it kind of went slightly downhill. Our owner lost interest in Randy Lerner. And then the football, you could just tell it was slowly deteriorating. You know, as soon as Martin O'Neill left, we had a number of managers over such a small period of time. The football was just never consistent. You know, some players were coming in and out. Some players liked ex-managers, some players didn't. You know, seeing the likes of George Julia, he probably could have took some places for us. And then, you know, we got Alex McLeish, who was ex-Blues, which was at our time <laughs> a big no-no, massive no-no. And then the managers, just the quality just got lower and lower and lower, you know, and then we got Tim Sherwood in and then Remy Gard, he literally took us nowhere. And then relegation, then Roberto Di Matteo came in. I was a big fan of Roberto Di Matteo for what he did at Chelsea. And he just never got us going, just never, ever got us going. So the Martin O'Neill days were the highlight of my Villa supporting, shall we call it. But after that, it just declined, 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 declined. And it's good to see now, you know, we we are slowly on the rise again. So whilst we're on the subject of managers, we're now going to play our first little mini game, which tests your (laughs) knowledge of Villa's managers. So going backwards and in order from Dean Smith, how many managers can you name? So you're going backwards from Dean Smith. How many in order can you name? Okay, so it would be Steve Bruce before yep. Dean Smith. Then Steve Bruce would be Roberto Di Matteo. Yeah. Then before Roberto Di Matteo, it would be Remy Gard. Then before Roberto Di Matteo, it would be Tim Sherwood. And this is where we struggle. <laughs> um, <laughs> before Tim Sherwood, it would have been... Oh, I can't think. He was um, Scottish, if that helps. It wasn't Alex. No, it wasn't Alex McLeish. No, it wasn't Alex McLeish. I can't think. I, I cannot think. So you've done Steve Bruce, Dimatteo, Gard, yeah. Sherwood. Oh, this is going to kill me. It's going to be so obvious as well. It is going to be really obvious. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you Scottish. Yep. Oh, I can't. I can't remember. It you was Paul Lambert. Paul, of course, of <laughs> course. Mini Martin, oh God, Mini Martin O'Neill, yeah, Paul Lambert, Jesus Christ, ex Norwich City manager, wasn't he, yeah? Yeah, and then it was McLeish, Fulier, <laughs> O'Neill, then Alex David McLeish, O'Leary, yeah. Brian, Graham Dave Taylor, O'Leary. John Gregory, yeah. Brian Little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you think oh, God, you'd do I'm a little bit better than that? I really thought I would have, actually. I'm quite disappointed in myself, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> you started off really quite am. strong. I did, yeah. Oh, I've oh, let myself down now. <laughs> you got five, that's not too bad. It's better than what I'd have done, so... <laughs> It's not great. It's not, it's not fantastic, but yeah. It's easy for me to brag about that. I've got Wikipedia in front of me, so I know the answer. Yeah, oh, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wish I had the same idea as you, know, actually. <laughs> yeah, you, could, you should have just planned ahead and got Wikipedia open, and you could have just rattled the name yeah. off. <laughs> next time. Next yeah, time. Next time. So Dean Smith, then, um, obviously your current manager. What do you think of him? Oh, I, I, when we first got him in, it was an ambitious appointment. When he was managing Brentford, 
they played such attacking football. And when we was in the championship, we I just don't feel like we ever, ever beat them. Every time we would go to their stadium, they'd just always get a win. They'd always, always, always get a win. And they'd play some real attacking football. And when we got him in, I was a bit thinking, mm, is he really going to be the man to take us forward? At the same time, I knew the quality of football that he played. And we were playing so defensive at the time. It was nice to see attacking football, which we'd been missing at Villa. And when he came in, it took us a bit of a slow start, but he did get us at the other end of the table. And then all of a sudden, we just went on a a 10-match winning streak, you know, and he broke our record to win 10 games on the bounce. It was fantastic, you know, and it got us to the playoffs, and obviously from the playoffs got us to where it was. And then last season, the Prem, obviously, we struggled, and, you know, there was a lot of things we could have put it down to. Could we put it down to, you know, Dean Smith's tactics? Could we put it down to the players? Could we put it down to the quality of players? Could we put it down to the signings themselves, you know, the recruitment stage? It was just, I'm just a bit of a mess at the club. But at the same time, I felt like it kind of wasn't Dean Smith's problem because he did try to sign all these players, like Calvin Phillips was one of them, and he couldn't get them in, so he had to get alternatives in. So I think it was a bit of a struggle for him, I'm not going to lie, but at the same time, he's the one who's got to pick the players, got to run training, stuff like that. It was massively, massively, massively inconsistent. And obviously, you know, you've done such a good job at the end of the season, you know, we've got... We stayed in the Premier League, which is obviously the big point is what we need to do, which is stay in the Prem. And now, starting at this season, you know, we've, you know, including all of our pre-season games, you know, we've two cup games and a league game in already. We've won all of them. We, you know, we're playing some really good stuff at the moment. So he's doing a good job. You know, he's, he's getting the fans back on his side again, which is, which is desperately needed because if the Villa fans get on your back to the manager, they're never going to let you down. They're, they're always going to find some way to try and want to force you out of that job. I mean, Steve Bruce, I mean, he had, to, <laughs> he had a cabbage thrown at him, for God's sake. Like, you know, <laughs> and that's that's what it's like at Fuller Park. You know, it's, it's, it's a hostile place if you can't get results. And again, he's slowly easing himself back into the fans. You know, he's made some good signings. You know, we keep on being linked with some other good players as well. And it's looking promising. And Dean Smith, can he be the man to take us forward? Yeah, he, if he, as long as we have a comfortable season and we build upon that comfortable season from this season, the, he can take us to a good time at Villa Park, shall we say. So what have you made of the transfer activity so far? Are there any players or areas you'd like to see Villa target in an attempt to get more new faces in? I would, yeah. Obviously, you know, from the season we had last season, we do need upgrades. The current squad we're looking at now is not too bad. You know, I would probably say we need to get another backup striker because we've just signed Ollie Watkins for a record fee. He will need some support because we've just sold Samata as well, which we've just lost another striker. Uh, Wesley's injured. We've got Keenan Davis. Uh, he's a strong player, but he doesn't particularly know where the goal is when it comes to Premier League. So I'd like to see us get another backup centre-back. I mean, a uh, striker, sorry. Uh, a backup centre-back would be ideal as well because we do have a couple injured right now. And maybe just a holding mid- midfielder to come in for a squad rotation play. So, like, we have Conor Horaham right now. You know, get him off after 60 minutes and get, bring on, like, another player or vice versa. You know, we get the, like... Because we've been linked with Ross Barclay. Yeah. So, if we get him on, like, keep on the pitch for 60 minutes and then, you know, we bring Conor Horaham on for like, the last half an hour, that would be ideal for us. So, you know, just, just more backup players now, if anything. You know, so if something were to go wrong, we've got the players to fill in those holes. So that's what I'd only say. Yeah, so obviously transfers in are all well and good, but it's obviously good as well to keep a hold of your best players, which Villa have actually done, haven't they, in getting Jack Grealish to sign a new deal. How important was it to get him and other star players to stay? That 
Jack Grealish's new contract, I've been saying this since he signed this contract, it's the best signing we've had all transfer window. He was keeping, keeping a hold of him because he's such, he plays such a pivotal role at that club. It's, it's unreal. Like, I know the fans do get, like, fans who aren't Villa fans just give him so much stick, you know, because he goes down a lot, apparently. Yeah. You know, he wins all these fouls, you know, and stuff like that. But, like, the, the, him as a footballer, his talents are second to none. And, you know, if we can make a team around him, you know, the sky's the limit. And it's keeping a hold of these key players, you know, England's internationals now. Tyron Ming's getting a new contract. Fantastic news. You know, he's solid at the back. You know, John McGinn last season, keeping a hold of him when he was an absolute fire. Again, another brilliant signing, you know. I just hope now, because uh, Douglas Louise, like, he's playing some great football at the moment, you know. So I'd like to see him get a new contract, you know, and keep him onto the club for a while now because Man City have got their claws so they can get first purchase if we were to sell him. Yeah. Get him out of that clause, you know. Get get him a new contract. He He's playing such great football at the moment. He's still so young, you know. He's been called by Brazil. You know, he has got a lot of potential to show and he's still getting better and better and better after each game and it's exciting times for him as a player. So, fingers crossed, he'll be the next contract offered for him. Fingers crossed. Yes, I just want to talk a little bit about COVID-19 now. I mean, we can't really escape it in the headlines recently, whether it's, no. you know, more cases, more deaths, restrictions for local areas. But it's the impact on football I want to touch on. Being a fan of a Premier League club, do you think that there should be more help given to the lower league teams and even, in some cases, non-league teams to help them get through it? I do. I do. Um, you know, look how many millions these football teams generate. They generate more and the excess billions now. Yeah. Now the game has gone from being a game for the working class fans, and now it's become a business. You know, Sky are paying out was it five million per game that's televised. Why can't these clubs come in and help the regional teams around them? So you know, we could look at you know helping Warsaw, for example. You know, a team that is down the lower leagues, help them out. You know, and then we've got like our other local non-league teams. You know, what help them out? You know. Just any bit of cash flow for these lower league teams will keep the game alive. You know, the the game is made for the fans, and the fans is what generates the money into the club. And saying this, like sitting here saying, you know, that you know I'm a Villa fan. You know, we are worth. You know, we've got some very rich owners now. Yeah. But it's what the it's these lower league teams that make football what it is. You don't see games like it. You know, in lower league that you would in the Premier League. You know, it's it's them type of teams. That keep the game going, keep the game alive, you know, and it's you, you, it, it gives you that sense of when you watch a lower league team, I can I I can play as good as that, I can play better than that, you know, and it's watching them that makes football these kids want to play football even more, you know, and then they will strive to you know move on to bigger and better things. Hopefully, you know, I I think helping the lower league teams is pivotal right now, and it's it it would be such a shame to see lower league teams go under because of this COVID nineteen. Fingers crossed they will work out, you know, hopefully bigger clubs do step in. They've got they've got excess money to give them, so why not help them out? Absolutely. So later on in the season, if we can due to COVID, we are looking to do some bonus episodes where we visit some of the stadiums of clubs we've covered on the podcast so far. If we were to go to Villa Park, what does a typical match day entail for you? Is there plenty of pubs and restaurants around the ground? Is there plenty to do to keep <laughs> me entertained? Uh, well, there's a lot of pubs. <laughs> so you'll have a, a drink good. or two or a side or two. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so the, obviously, with Villa Park, it's it's not too far from the city centre. So, you know, you, you can get the train and you get the bus and, you know, so it needs to take about five minutes to get there. 
So there's a lot of things to do in the city of Birmingham. It's always good to know that Villa Park is literally just around a giant corner for us to get there, you know, but on match day, you get there, have a few beers beforehand, you know, have a good laugh. Take you to get a burger or something like that, or walk in, you know, get yourself a programme, you know, get yourself a pie. Oh, the chicken balsy pies at Villa Park are the best. So we're getting <laughs> you one of them, definitely. <laughs> that's the insight I need. Yeah, yeah. Beer and a pie, that's all you need, yeah. Um, have a good talk, you know, show you the grounds and stuff like that, you know, show you what was once the biggest single standing stand in, in all of Europe, you know, the whole end. So there's a lot to do there and stuff like that, you know. And they've got like the... Um, the kids' family day out area, stuff like that, where, you know, your little ones can go and kick a ball and stuff like that, you know, you can have a beer watching them and stuff like that, you know, there is a lot to do. You've got the shop as well, or multiple shops now. You know, there's always something going on at Villa Park, and that's what makes it a great club. Awesome. So you've been telling me a lot about your club so far, which is fantastic, but we're now going to do our fan quiz to test your knowledge of not just Aston Villa, but football in the 92 in general. So you're going to have five questions about Aston Villa and five about other teams in the 92. Do you think you're going to do better at this than you did with the manager one? (laughs) No. (laughs) We'll find out. We'll find out. Hopefully I will, but... um... We will see. (laughs) So, question one. What word used to feature on the badge for Aston Villa before it was removed? Prepared. Yes. Which championship club would you associate Rami the mascot with? Ooh. (laughs) Uh, Derby. Derby. Liverpool are responsible for the highest transfer fee ever received by Villa for one of their players, but who was the player? Christian Benteco. It was. Who is the only player to have scored in a Merseyside derby, a Manchester derby, and a Tyne and Weir derby? James Milner. No, it's Michael Owen. Michael, oh, I caught a tie side, yeah, of course, yeah. (laughs) Villa and Leeds hit the headlines in 2019 for a bizarre few minutes of football when Marcelo Bielsa allowed Villa to score a goal unopposed after Leeds scored a somewhat controversial goal whilst a Villa player was down injured. But who scored that free goal? Albert Adoma. It was. Deadpool actor Ryan Reynolds was revealed to be in talks with which former EFL club this week to invest money into the club? Wrexham. Yes. In 1982, Villa won the European Cup, but what city was the final played in? Rotterdam. Yes. Which EFL team play their matches at Rodney Parade? Rodney Parade. Oh. Rodney Parade. Uh, that is a very tough one. It's got to be one of the new boys who's just come up. Wickham? No, it's Newport County. Newport County. Oh, that's hard, that one. I didn't know that. That is hard. A match between Villa and Birmingham City is often billed as a second city derby, but how far to the nearest mile is Villa Park from St Andrews? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is a good, good question. Uh, I want to say four? Four, four miles? Yeah. Half it, it's two miles. Oh, it's two miles! Jesus! <laughs> and, oh. and finally, how many teams have won the Premier League since its inception in 1992? Ooh. I'm trying to think of all the, play- the teams that won it now. Eight. Ooh, it's seven. Seven! Oh! You had, <laughs> you had an extra one there. I did, I did. I was trying to, Man U, Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester. Yeah. Blackburn. Yeah. Oh, who am I thinking of there? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe you're thinking hopeful and thinking Villa have won it or something. 
I hope you're alright, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wishful thinking, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so annoying. So annoying. So you got 7 out of 10, okay. which I don't think is too bad, actually. Because there was some tough ones in there. I'll take that, I'll take that. I'm quite happy with that, actually, <laughs> to be honest with you. So the season's a few weeks old now, so I'm not going to ask you to predict all the leagues in the 92, but I am interested in your predictions for the Premier League and obviously for Aston Villa. So who's going to win the Premier League this year? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, you can't write off Liverpool. They were fantastic to watch last season. Like They were playing some fantastic football, but you know, I don't think they've done enough in terms of signings. I'd like to, I'd like to think that they... The other teams around them would have worked them out, but at the same time, they're still getting results. Yeah. So Liverpool was obviously a good shot, but I've, I've been saying all summer that Man City are going to do it. I've just got a feeling that Man City are the only team that can compete with them, and they just look lethal right now. And you know, and great teams can play bad and still get results. And I felt like that when they played Wolves last week. You know, they they I personally don't think Man City were firing on all cylinders. And they still got a result. They still looked semi-decent. You know, they're missing Aguero, you know, and Jesus just currently got injured. So if they can get all their players back, I, I really do think Man City can do it. You know, but it's going to be tight between Liverpool and Man City. I really do. I was going to say, do you think it'll be a lot tighter this year? I think it will. I do think it will. I think Man City are going out for blood this season. Then. Now, knowing that they've got the Champions League back as well, yeah. they are really going to hit home. You know, only winning one trophy for them it's it's madness, but it's deemed not a successful season for them. So they're going to be real, real good team to watch. As for Villa, it's hard to say because, you know, we're still kind of one of the new boys, but I feel like our recruitment is going to do quite well. You know, we've just got Burton Traore, who scored an absolute cracking it goal against Bristol Cup. Oh, that finish was fantastic. So, fingers crossed, you know, he can do that in the, in the Prem when it comes to it. So... I think, again, I said this to you earlier, like, you've you got to look at teams around you, you know, to see who's going to drop points, you know, who is going to be in the relegation. Yeah. I think we're going to be comfortable. I'd like to think we are going to be comfortable. Anything, like I said earlier, from 13th to 7th would be a personal nice finish for us, you know, and again, we can build on and build on and build on. So as long as we're not having to look over our back, that's what I consider a successful season. So anything, realistically... 13th would be perfect for me. I know I know it's quite, you know, you you want to say, like, you know, we, we want to win it. We want to get top four, you know, but yeah, anything above that, you know, so we're not looking over our back. I mean, anywhere in mid will be fine. So the final part is about your favourite and worst memories of being a Villa fan. And just tell me a little bit about what makes being a Villa fan different to <laughs> any other club. Any other club. Right. So what makes Villa so special in my eyes is... The fact that we have done so, so, so much compared compared to these other football teams in the Premier League and in all of football, you know, we've done so much. We won the European Cup back when you had to win the league. And we did that coming off from being relegated to the third division and flying up all those divisions. And then two seasons later, winning the European Cup. That is huge. Again, Another big part for me being a Villa fan, which makes it so special, is our foundership. Now, we were found by William McGregor, who not only found Aston Villa, but he found the footballing league. Not many other football fans can say that you're the person who found your club also found the footballing league. That is something so special to be a hold of. The fans are brilliant. You know, we all have a sense of pride and fellowship, you know, where we just want to perform 
week in, week out, you know, we don't ever want to see, no one ever wants to see their club doing bad, but, you know, Villa more so because we've been doing so, so, so well in previous years, you know, we have that sense of, we, our time will come, our time will come, our time will come. And from what it's looking like currently to me, our time will come. It's, it's just a sense of belonging with Villa. Like, there's a video out, uh, I don't know if you've watched it or not, but um, the person they've got talking, it says, uh, like, you don't pick Villa, Villa picks you. And it's so, so true. Fingers crossed, you know, hopefully when I have kids, you know, they'll follow in my footsteps of being a Villa fan, you know, and they'll get that understanding of what it's like to be a Villa fan. It is infectious, it's brilliant. You know, I will, I mean, don't get me wrong, we do have some tough times looking back, but it's those tough times that bring us even closer to the club. And that's what I love about Villa. You know, there's always that sense of belonging. There's always that sense of, you know, what's going on. They let you know, you know, you'll, you'll let them know and stuff like that. And it, it's, I love it. I absolutely love it. So the worst memories, <laughs> it was getting relegated. Getting relegated was horrible. I want no one to go through it, unless you're a Bangham City fan, and that's fantastic. <laughs> um, but it's it's horrible, you know. You were playing such awful football, and it just seemed that the players didn't care. No one seemed to care. We were in such a disarray at the time. We were a poison chalice, you know. We could have signed the world's best players, and we could have turned them into something horrible. It was the worst time I've ever had been a Villa fan, and. The surrounding clubs did not let you forget about it as well, that you were relegated. So that was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. The best time I've ever had as a Villa fan was... I've got a few. Was seeing Villa win at Wembley against Bolton in the FA Cup semi-final in 2000. That was a special stage because I'd only been to Wembley once beforehand. And my Wembley record is shocking when I go. I've never, <laughs> I've only seen one win at Wembley and it was that day. So that was always, that would always hold a special place in my heart. I and mean, we won on penalties as well, which is great. Um, and again, Villa beat in Birmingham City 5-1 because you've got to take a local dig, haven't you? And the, the best match I've ever seen was when we played Ajax in a uh, European Cup game. And we won that game 2-1. And I, went, I remember going... And it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I loved every second of watching that game. And that was the point where I thought, this is where we propel ourselves to be these top six, top four, you know, we are going to go places. That was that was a very momentous occasion for me. That was being a Villa fan. Well, thank you very much for joining us on this episode of the 92 podcast. Good luck for the rest of the season for Aston Villa. Hopefully we <laughs> manage to complete a full season this season without any uh, little hiccups or, or breaks. Oh, I hope you're right as well. No, but thank you for having me. I'm so looking forward to this. And uh, hopefully, if you ever do another episode, please, please get me involved. I've absolutely loved talking about Villa, obviously. <laughs> The end of each episode is your chance to voice your views on your club to be used in your team's episode. All you need to do is send us a clip of you talking about your club, whether it be your thoughts on how the season is going, your thoughts on transfers, or even just to tell us that your club is the finest football team the world has ever seen. You can send your clips to the 92podcast at gmail.com. Make sure to include your name and the team you support. As this is an episode about Villa, we heard from Villa fan Ed to give his thoughts on the villains. I think Villa this year are in for a really good season. You know, we, we started off in a, in a really kind of strong position with a friendly win against Man United um, and then, of course, two back-to-back um, League Cup wins and then the win against Sheffield United in the Premier League on our opening game. 
Um, OK, yes, we've got some hard ones coming up against like, Liverpool in the next week or so. But I think if we keep on playing, keep on pushing forward like we have in the past uh, three games, then we've got no run at all this season. Um, the new signings of Watkins, Torrey and uh, Martinez have been absolutely fantastic. You know, the penalty save uh, for Martinez is brilliant. Uh, Watkins really playing really well in that striking role down the right wing. And then new deals with both Mings and Grealish this year. Of course, Grealish um, linked a lot with Man United over the last few summers. Uh, but to see him sign a new deal with us as, as a boyhood Villa fan is, is fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he has this season. Dean Smith has picked a really strong side. And I'm really hoping for this year that we can push up the table. OK, maybe finish in top half. Not looking for Champions League or Europa or anything like that. But hoping kind of not relegation. Don't really want to be battling for that ground again. Um, the one thing I really am surprised about and I really wanted to, to see kind of change was John Terry. Not a massive fan of his, if I'm brutally honest with you. Um, I was hoping that he would leave kind of and go somewhere else, but he stayed as defensive coach. We'll just have to see what he does. You know, I've never been a massive fan of him at Villa, um, but you know, if he can pull it around and turn it around this year, then I say go for it, but we'll have to wait and see. And with that, that's the end of the episode. Thank you to James for talking to us, as well as Ed for sending in his thoughts. And of course, thank you for listening. If you'd like to get involved with the 92 Podcast and talk about your club, find us on Twitter and Instagram at the92podcast or email us the92podcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, make sure you review and subscribe to the 92 Podcast wherever it is that you found this episode. Next time we'll be looking at another club in 92. See you then.